Welcome to Hallmarked Up with Mary and Sarah. All right, well, welcome to another episode of Hallmarked Up, where we're renaming this week's episode Netflix Up because um, we chose to not watch Hallmark as their titles were really horseshit this past weekend. Not that they have good ones, to be honest, as we all know, but... This week was not good at all, and so I, and, and Mary um, happily stated she would only watch a Netflix one if it meant she didn't have to also watch a Hallmark one. True. <laughs> so, so we chose to watch um, the first one they premiered in, over at Netflix, which it was called Love Hard. And we should also state that we are joined by a couple of special guests this week. Oh, yes. Which would be my brother, Johnny Oh, Johnny. Hello. I don't usually say my last name. Sorry, Johnny. <laughs> and his lovely wife, Chris, is joining us. Hello. From, from the, the very cold tundra of Minneapolis. The great white north. It's not great. Welcome, Johnny and Chris. So this one is a slightly different formulaically than I would say Hallmark, but not totally different well I mean it's a different formula I think so it still follows the formula but the formula it follows is your traditional sort of cinematic rom-com formula that's right mm-hmm. whereas Hallmark has a much more specific breed of that of its own so it's still uh, you know it's not breaking any molds or anything like that it's just not exactly in the Hallmark mold which was you know a nice break well mm-hmm. I have to admit like at, at work this week people were asking me about hallmark in general and what my take is on it and stuff and i said the the thing i think that pisses me off the most that they do is and we talk about this often on our podcast is the amicable breakup at the holidays and like no family is upset that the boyfriend is like that's cool and sometimes the fiance is like no probs just go be with that farmer guy who has the christmas tree farm or whatever like it's the absolute good. most they're like frowny face sad for two minutes <laughs> yes exactly no yeah. one is upset it's not heart gut-wrenching before christmas he understands that the 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 no having money guy is the right choice um, <laughs> no having money guy you just go ahead and ruin my life and it's reputation. fine Sorry, I, I got the stock market i don't need you it's <laughs> fine but i i did obviously i suggested to my my co-workers that this one steers quite away from that very typically annoying cinematic moment in Hallmark. That's true. These characters at least have feelings. So let's see. Johnny, I have said he has a lot of notes. Mary, should we let Johnny try and recap this one? Sure. All right. Can I just say something to start us off? And that of course, is the very first line of the movie. It's a, you know, voiceover narration line and it is paraphrasing Plato's symposium badly. Yes. <laughs> that's, I'm so, sure. that's so that you can see that she's an intellectual because she's a writer, which is shown by uh, her having that job. And she one time wears a t-shirt that says write on with a W. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's true. So that means she is an intellectual even though she, she basically paraphrases part of Plato's symposium and calls it Greek mythology, which it's not really mm-hmm. Greek mythology, it's Plato's symposium, but whatever, sorry. Good effort. <laughs> yeah. She dated a classics major, maybe. Well, we do know she dates. That's, that's, that's the whole point of this one. So Johnny, tell us what happens in Love Hard, and I've got it up on the IMDb for uh, saying who the people are. 
the leading man's a comedian, right? Who apparently <gasps> people besides me know. Well, depending on who you call the leading man, yes. Okay. The, the leading the the, the, the catfisher. Yes, yes, the catfisher. Yes, yes he's yeah. in Silicon Valley, and which is on HBO about like tech companies. His um, name is Jimmy O. Yang. He is in that. He is also the extremely good comic relief character in Crazy Rich Asians. Crazy Rich Asians, yeah. Okay. Yeah, he was great at that. Nice. And then the sort of the, the hot hunky guy was in Mindy Kaling's great show on Netflix called Never Have I Ever. Okay, um, gotcha. He was oh, very yeah. good on that. With Paxton H.Y.? Paxton H.Y. Yes, and, and in all of my notes, I instead of calling him by the improbable name he has in this tag, I refer to him as Paxton H.Y. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, let, let's learn about, about these three characters and how they come together. Yeah, in take Love it away, Park. Johnny. Oh, Johnny. Okay, you bet. So the, the first note I have here is just dating bad. So she's sort of opens on this, this montage of all these horrible dates that she has, one of which the offense is that the guy has longer hair and a mustache that he doesn't have in his photo. Oh my God, and he can looked you a even little, imagine? He looked a little bit fatter and he was wearing a suit that was ill-fitting. You know, bad. Yeah, oh, he looked awful. But so. she does all of this bad dating in service of her career, which is as the somehow still anonymous, never a bridesmaid, who writes true stories about all the men that only she dates, which if even two of these guys talk to each other, they could talk to her in 10 minutes. <laughs> but then her, this is a new kind of stock character I'm seeing in movies like this, which is the, the husky blonde best friend. Oh, yes. Uh, She's very funny. She's a little curvy. She's got, she's full of sass and she knows what you've got to do. She's always drinking wine. <laughs> like every time she's on camera. It's questionable life advice. She reminded me actually of, what's the woman from Third Rock from the Sun? Hmm. Kristen. Oh, Kristen Johnson. Yes. Yeah. She reminded me of her. And, and I was yeah. like, and particularly the character she plays in Sex in the City when she falls out the window and yes. dies. Yep. Like, also, oh, like she's kind of like that. Anymore. Isn't anybody fun? Yeah. But can I just jump in here to say we have not yet mentioned anyone's name. So the main character is oh, yes. Natalie. She is our, you know, romance columnist or whatever. And I don't remember the blonde best friend's name, but I'm not sure that's important. Her name is, her name is Carrie. The blonde All best right, friend cool. is Carrie. So her friend gives her basically the inciting incident here, which is you should uh, increase your range of dating to outside of West Hollywood, and you should in fact increase it to the entire United States. So now you will match with anyone from anywhere. And then she does match suddenly with someone who looks very approachable and really is saying all the right things. Plus he looks like Pax and HY. She decides to match with him and then they have a Christmas movie chat because he had an opening gambit of having of a sign that says, Love Actually, best Christmas movie? Thumbs up, thumbs down? She responds, no, Die Hard is. Which is another thing that is a stock, a characteristic of movies like this, which is these characters kind of don't have personalities. They have interests that it's like, I like this thing and that's what I'm going to, like, I like to do things in the outdoors. Okay, but what do you act like? I like outdoors. Well, if you think about it, it's been a long time since I've been on a dating app, but that's kind of how people are on dating apps too, right? Like nobody wants to try to describe their own actual personality. So in lieu of that, they have likes and dislikes. Mm. And and, you know, like the typical, here's me with a giant fish. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, man with a giant fish. 
It's real. But if you think about it, it's not just dating apps where we do this. We also do this on social media, right? Like it's this, when you're forced to self-present your personality, there's this thing about where you don't present your personality because you don't know how to do that. It's very difficult to describe yourself in an honest way. And so we end up just presenting our interests as if that is a personality. So I think that's a really good observation. All right. Anyway, so she's dating, she meets up with what is his, what is they, he calls, does he call himself Josh? Josh? He does. He does call himself Josh. He uses his real name. He just, um, we will see that he didn't use his real other things. They have this, they have this very long talk that goes on forever. We kind of don't know how long they are. So the period of their quote unquote courtship is very a question mark to me. Except I do want to add the first time that they start going back and forth. She's in the bathtub. Like who go, who goes straight to like let me just take a bath and then we can talk. Also, I really want her apartment and her bathroom is amazing. I have a couple of things to say about their courtship actually. First of all, yes, the bathtub thing definitely a rom-com thing that I don't think people take nearly as many baths in real life as they do in rom-coms. But certainly with fewer bubbles. Yeah. Certainly fewer bubbles. Well, yeah, certainly with fewer bubbles. Yeah, because you don't but... care if anyone sees you when you're in the bathtub all by yourself. Right. But they have to have the bubbles for camera. Nobody obviously. has to pay you $80,000 to be nude in the tub. Right. Right. So I, I want to say a couple of things about their courtship. One is that he sounded fake to me even before we found out that he was catfishing her. Like he just didn't sound like a real person. He sounded too peppy to happy-go-lucky to like I am into everything you're into and the things that I'm not into I'm going to be extremely cute about like he was too fucking much yeah and, like sure. what's interesting is later we're supposed to believe that was the part of him that was genuine but whatever I digress yeah. um, the other thing I wanted to say about their courtship is there's a moment where they're talking about like childhood books that they liked and she oh. says, like where the sidewalk ends and he quotes it at her and she says, I can't believe you know that. Everybody knows where the sidewalk ends. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> That's right. Well, and, and were they saying during that on the phone or was that a message? I can't remember. Were they actually talking on the phone then? I think it was on the phone, but still, like, I couldn't quote it, to be honest. But no. she seemed shocked that he even knew what it was. And I was like, literally everyone's third grade teacher shoved this down their fucking throats. Yeah. Well, and definitely in a certain time period. For sure. A time period of when they would have both been in third grade. Yeah. Like, yes, exactly. Like, famous and influential book of children's poetry. Yeah. They're both 30, right? Yes. Okay. Okay. Well, he is for sure. We don't right. really know precisely how old she is because it's rude to ask a woman her age. So then they have this online courtship of indeterminate length and he tosses out inciting incident number two, I wish you could be here for Christmas, party face. <laughs> then she goes to meet with her boss and tries to kind of quit her job and say, I don't want to write horrible train wreck date stories anymore and then she tells him the whole story and realizes immediately how ill-advised this whole idea is and he immediately is like he sees an even bigger better train wreck and says you simply have to go right Right. so to clarify here he has not invited her to fly to upstate new york to spend christmas together she has taken his offhand comment as an invitation and decided to go. She has taken his offhand comment as an inspiration to do a big romantic gesture. Yes, exactly. So not even as an invitation, but as a sign that this romantic gesture would be welcome. And somehow she has his address. I mean, the the most generous interpretation there is that at some point 
they mailed each other something and she asked for it to like send him a postcard. I don't know, but well, here was another thing that somehow. I was wondering about is like, is this movie supposed to take place before Skype and FaceTime was a thing? Like, yeah, you, you would were, probably do a video call before you like jumped on a plane. Well, and if you were in a situation where your husky blonde best friend is telling you, you cannot go, you cannot properly date this guy because you have not seen his face. And then they call him on the phone. Why wouldn't they just go, Hey, turn on video. <laughs> no, instead, send Excellent me question. a picture of yourself holding today's paper. Where do you even get today's paper anymore? And oh, like, they, hold they, it? Kidnapper store. Kidnapper supply outlet. So she, <laughs> she, she, of course, as we know, flies to Lake Placid, New York from LA in like, I don't know, is it like two days before Christmas or something like that? I think so. No, it's a week before Christmas. Yeah, Christmas. because there's still there's still some there are some events between this and Christmas, so right, there, there's like a week. So what happens when she gets to Lake Placid, Johnny? Well, she arrives in Lake Placid at the outside airport in her disco dress, and she finds that she, she they have misplaced her bag. Is this when she's wearing brown? Yes, she's wearing a yeah. brown mid thigh. Yeah. Disco dress. It's a thigh gap disco dress, but. Brown is not the new black again. It's not going to come back. I'm sorry. It's just not. Anyway. So she talks to the luggage guy and reluctantly gets into an Uber and then a Lyft that are all staffed and driven by an off-putting young man named Eric, where she, for the second time in the film, brings up a kiwi allergy. Oh, yes. Foreshadowing. Chekhov's kiwi allergy. Yes, it's definitely Chekhov's kiwi allergy. Well, we'll talk about it in a second. So then she goes and meets first the family because Josh is not there and you see them being lovely and sort of more surprised and excited than they ought to be. But why would that be? Well, because then we do meet Josh and he's slow down the music and give me a record scratch, a different guy. <laughs> yes, not, not the hot guy from... Not Paxton H. Rock. No. And I also want to point out, real Josh is kind of an average-looking guy. He's not hideous. No. He's, he's, he's just like an average-looking guy. Like, yeah. yeah, I think he's kind of fun. I, I think that we're supposed to find him, like... Repulsive. Repulsive, like, but it, it kind of comes out the same way, like how we're supposed to find Anne Hathaway repulsive at the beginning of the makeover movie when, like, she's still fucking Anne Hathaway. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm hot. Like, it's like exactly. Here I am being a nerd. Oh look, I'm beautiful. Take now off you my took glasses. your glasses off. Yeah. yeah. No. Um. I'm also glad you brought that up because where the hell was the makeover? There definitely should have been a makeover. It just true. This this could have been the male makeover movie we've all been waiting for. But no. And I mean, don't get me wrong. You're still right to be mad that somebody passed themselves off as somebody else, even if real Josh had turned out to be smoking hot. Um, the fact that he's not the same guy he presented himself as he's in fact quite dishonest and she's right yes. to be mad about that but I think that we as viewers are supposed to find his appearance more off-putting than we actually do I think the biggest flaw in his appearance is honestly probably that he looks younger than he is right yeah I, I think I love this part though when they, when she they finally meet you know and, and he, he comes to the door eventually or whatever and they sort of go having a side conversation and she's like you told me wouldn't it be great if we were together at Christmas and he said that's like what you say, like, I'm starting my diet next week. That's just something you say. Um, but anyway, so she gets pissed off. 
and then she takes baby jesus out of the major manger for unknown reasons that's right and says what does she say i'm gonna let jesus take the wheel and she goes down the street to the pub this is another another thing that this movie actually does incredibly weirdly well is set up things exclusively to pay them off later like she takes baby jesus out of the manger and she goes to the only karaoke bar in town where every single person is 30 years old and she took the baby jesus so that josh could find it outside of that bar and that's how he knows where she went so then she goes there she then she sees not only is the guy that she thought she had come here for real and hot he's also here in this bar tonight wow and his name is tag his His name name is Tag. tag what a coincidence so she decides to like have some balls goes to the bar takes a shot of something random yeah no idea what it is and decides to join the christmas karaoke with the classic christmas favorite about this because before this there's obviously the moment of her going into the bar bathroom and like sitting down on the toilet for a conversation with what the fuck's her name carrie or whatever and carrie's like oh my gosh you've got this you have to go do this so here's the thing about this she knows nothing about this man correct nothing like don't get me wrong i think it's perfectly reasonable to be angry with josh for passing himself off as someone else however that does not mean that the someone else is automatically desirable like you know nothing about this man except that he's hot and plenty of other people in the dating app who turned out to be total losers were also hot and so like why is this particular hot man who lives across the country from you you know worth pursuing she just just wants to get laid i guess she's gonna attempt that maybe that's all it is (laughs) i mean it kind of seems like if she just wanted to get laid with somebody hot without any other particular like good qualities she could have done so on numerous other occasions on any of her mediocre dates yeah Yeah, she has come here as she mentions a number of times she has come here to find her happy ending so she wants the man that she's going to end up with and the person that she defines to do that is someone who, when she meets him, she knows nothing about him. And the more she comes to know him, finds that she has nothing in common with him. <laughs> At all. It's kind of, is this the sunk cost fallacy? Is that what it is? The idea that like, I've already come all the way out here, so yeah. I have to fall in love with this guy now? That's right. Think, That's right. That's or right. is it the sunk cost fall in love Oh, I see what you did there. I see what you did there. Or is it the sunk cost phallic seeking oh my god oh, wow we're, we're rolling now okay right. so she's at the karaoke bar what happens johnny when she, she takes, sings her she song takes her, she takes her big swing she ties her back to the audience and this is this is the song that's really gonna knock his pants off and make him fall in love it's i would do anything for love by meatloaf and everybody in the bar has their eyes fixed on her because this is a world where people pay attention to karaoke and not the real world where every single other person in the bar would just be talking to themselves and each other. That's right. Also, when has this ever worked? Like sexy karaoke, is this a thing people do that I'm not aware of? Like I've had, like I've done karaoke with friends where somebody does like a flirtatious number and it's kind of cute or whatever. And like we who are her friends like laugh at it and cheer and like, you know, oh, you, you're so good or whatever. But that's not how you actually like especially in a bar where you literally know no one right like i don't think this is how i I don't think this is how mating actually works (laughs) no (laughs) well like correct me if i'm wrong but we will soon find out yeah i guess we will 
in the role of this movie though so she spins around and obviously the the other penny drops the kiwi allergy has swelled up her face such that she looks like bubblegum man they called her later actually and so then in because in this function of this movie her big seductive sexy dance number takes on this odd sort of like public humiliation. Like she's dancing around and every single person in the bar is looking at her and going gross. And she's throwing herself at everything and grinding on pillars. And it's- Well, her face looks like hell. But, That's but right. And he, I, a tag did have another great line where he goes, be, be cool guys. She obviously has some kind of condition. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So then she finds out that, she, that her face is swollen up. She runs outside where Josh is and she cannot breathe because her kiwiology is real and life-threatening. She passes out in the snow and he takes her to the doctor. Well, not exactly the doctor. The, the vet. vet. Which is like totally, they did that in the movie Baby Boom. Yep. And they did it in another movie. I can't remember. It's common. That's right. I want to point something out about this too. And that's the fact that he took her to the vet because supposedly there is no hospital in their town. Yet their town has an airport. What the fuck kind of a town has its own airport, but no hospital? I think their airport was like, for what? A biplane? I mean, it was ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. That's right. And one guy that drives the car for the bags also drives the Uber and the Lyft in town. He's actually like- We great. loved him. He does a lot for Stoner. Like, <laughs> That's true. Eric yeah. Stoner. I think That's I dated him. We kind of want to be a more broad version of this kind of a comedy. She ends up with him. Yep. All right. Okay, cool. We'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that later. All right. So, then, so she's at the vet. What happens next, Johnny? She's all angry at, at our friend Josh, obviously. So we love the vet. The vet was fantastic. I love that she's like, all right, you're great. Yes, it's fine. Uh, we got some biscuits out of the tree for you if you want them. One more of the vet. So then he realizes because he saw how his family looked at him when they thought he had a girlfriend, he realizes he has something to offer. He and Tag go way back. He can help Natalie get Tag to like her if she will make the deal of pretending to be his girlfriend just for the next week, just until Christmas, and then they can stage a breakup and she can go off and be with Tag. End of act one. Okay. A deal is struck, a decision made. So then they go to his place where he lives in the basement of his parents' house, which we did assume at first was like a setup to be a basement department. It has its own washer and dryer. There are no egress windows. It is not safe. Because then we realized that this is just the basement where the washer and dryer is for the family. Mm -hmm. All the time, exactly. And when he mentions it? that he had an apartment, but it had suffered some smoke damage. Oh. Because of so much candle making? That, or that was, was it or, or pot smoking? I couldn't figure out which. Yeah, but then they also, she also kicks one empty Mountain Dew bottle to show that his room is messy. Oh, God. So then, but then at this point, I did, I, I was able to see this on second viewing that like the irony of this that she's furious at him for having misrepresented himself and is now going to spend the next week misrepresenting herself to Tag. The irony of that is only ever pointed out, only ever clear to Tag himself. Well, I think it is kind of clear to Josh at some point. I think Josh mentions it, doesn't he? I mean, he kind of gets it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. So I, there is a line around this point that I want to comment on, and that is Grandma June. So Grandma June is kind of like the spunky... Josh's grandma character who like 
says like surprising sex things and it's like oh she's a cute old lady who knows what fucking is right (laughs) and so at one point she says people used to fall in love based only on the written word the pen is mightier than the penis yeah and at this point I actually had myself half convinced that this was a Serrano de Bergerac adaptation hopefully Um, right (laughs) it would have been fun that, which would have been fun. I, I don't think that's where we ended up on this, but I, I just want to point out that I had that thought. Well, Most I want did. to point out that there were more than a couple times when they were like, she's near the end. <laughs> Is that-, that one of her nurses? I'm like, this woman has her shit together. She's probably 69. Yeah. And the whole like here, well, we'll get to the thing later, but there's there are just so many parts where it's like, why is she so infirm? Yes. And I don't get it. Well, and then she, there's also, she, um at this point, the other line at this point point is that some friend of hers had been on a dating app and she saw more ass than a church pew. Is this grandmother a comedy writer? Like, this is they, they she... definitely tried to make her a bit of comic relief, didn't they? In some ways. Yeah. And to be fair, she was kind of effective as comic relief. I mean, it worked. It's true. I did like her, but it was. Yeah. It did seem like everybody in in and in and around her family was treating her as though she was going to turn to dust in any moment <laughs> when she might you know have work to do in the morning <laughs> anyway so uh, speaking of sort of comic relief not that this was too but we also get introduced to his extremely successful older brother who arrives oh, and God. christmas doesn't get started until he arrives correct well and his and his like tiny hot kardashian wife <laughs> yes. we have a whole thing to do before before they arrive Oh, whoops, I missed something. Sorry, yep, John. Brother hasn't, Continue. brother hasn't showed up yet. So they have this breakfast where they're sniping at each other. Oh, and she she comes to breakfast still wearing the <laughs> shirt that she slept in. And With everyone no else pants. is dressed. And she's like, what's up? <laughs> okay. And it's a shirt that Grandma June gave her that says something sexual. I forget what it is now. Right. It yeah. says, I ain't no ho, ho, ho. That's right. So then, awesome. but they can't stick around because they have to go to the store so that Natalie can get a crash course in liking outdoors things. <laughs> So we we meet Tag. She pretends to like Thoreau, but she's- Who she hates. Who she hates, yeah. She hates Thoreau because again, she's a word person. And then- But they agree that they're gonna go rock climbing the next day. They're gonna go rock climbing tomorrow at 10 a.m. But she's afraid of heights. Well, she's just never climbed because the thing, the thing that I did like, I used to do bouldering for a summer Mm -hmm. and when she's like hanging on and screaming and afraid to look down, it really is like that. When you get both of your feet and both of your hands onto the wall, you do feel like I'm impossibly high and if I fall, it will be bad, even though you'll just land on your feet and it'll be fine. So anyway, they have this little climbing lesson. It goes kind of okay. And then they have the first in a series of moments of actually you're a good guy in between longer stretches of you are a liar from hell right i can't tell if he was being a genuine if he was supposed to be being a genuine guy even though his picture was fake and his bio said he loves the outdoors which is tag anyway (laughs) then they go home and she discovers his candles and he has this groundbreaking idea because you know how every candle that's ever been made everywhere in every store only ever smells like fruity girly things ever i have this idea that no one's ever had before to have masculine candles which like They'll smell like gasoline. There are those. <laughs> yeah. They sell them in TJ Maxx Home Goods. Well, 
anyway but maybe there are those and also i'm not convinced that men hate smelling like flowers or whatever they, they don't yeah but but especially like your house we're not carrying this on our person it's just trying to make your right. house like you don't have a you don't have a backpack candle sarah <laughs> i just take it out and light it when i want to make sure i smell nice before oh you gotta you gotta it'll change everything that's right obviously we're, i've been doing that wrong for ages the thing about the candle thing that I kind of liked is I actually saw it as a riff on Hallmark movies a little bit because I think it, I, I think in every in a lot of Hallmark movies somebody has some kind of groundbreaking entrepreneurial thing that's just extremely dumb and has been done before and I yeah, think this movie was at least like yeah, yeah I think yeah. this movie was aware that it was stupid mm-hmm. but also like because it also seems like th- those kinds of things are like, as though it was time travel, like if this movie were taking place in 1995, then we as the audience would be like, ah, this idea that everyone thinks is stupid is actually good. And I know because those things are super successful. Oh yeah, uh, so maybe point. it will very be the, the big gift of next year. It, maybe it is taking place in 1995 because apparently there's no FaceTime. Exactly. <laughs> so. so then we meet the brother who is over the top smiley and successful and his teeny tiny idiot fiance who oh, also wife leaves. wife wife they're married oh that's right they're married owen and chelsea lynn and he's like over the top christmas and everyone's like yay owen's here christmas can finally begin the good and- brother the good brother and this is when they have to introduce natalie to owen and owen's like what is she grandma's nurse is she in mom's book club what is this why is there there an attractive woman next to my brother who is obviously not attractive and so then they kind of backhanded compliment the hell out of him they're like we were just talking about for hours we were talking about why Josh is single. And then they list all of these horrible things in his life. Like he lives at home in the basement. He has nothing going on for him. His glasses are gross. That's right. He's obviously not dateable, but thank God for you, Natalie. Mm-hmm. So then they're decorating the tree, a, a staple scene. Yes. Which we get more glimpses into Josh being dumb and having they find a, an ornament of him as a little boy where he looks stupid. And then in an odd flash of vengeance, Josh insists that Natalie put the star on the tree, which is the first barb in Owen's side because that's what he was supposed to do. Oh, so yes. now he's after Natalie. Yes, now he's then, There's a conversation that happens here that'll end up being important shortly afterwards where Josh complains about how Owen always, always, always has to steal the spotlight. He can never let anyone else be the subject of positive attention for one second when it could be his. And so Natalie gives him some questionable life advice, which is anytime he steals a spotlight, you just steal it right the fuck back. You steal that spotlight even harder and that's going to get them into trouble. Oh yes, more foreshadowing. (laughs) There's also in that same exchange there's a throwaway line of oh and always has to be the center of attention he's a pisces now <laughs> i'm a pisces and no we don't no that's <laughs> that's over to us leos thank you very yes much. I know. that's what we said he is not a pisces he is a leo 
That's right. We, we prefer the spotlight definitely more than the Pisces. So then it's the next morning and we go to the climbing wall, which goes poorly initially until Josh has the secret weapon of a song from the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> he puts the branded AirPods in her ears and plays. Was it Don't You Forget, Don't you about, forget me? about Me? Which gives her the strength and distraction to climb all the way to the top of the wall so she can look back with victory and have a vertiginous panic attack. That's right, about going back down. But luckily, Josh can scale the wall in about 30 seconds to get up. He does there. great. That was awesome. He was very good at it. He, but you know he, do, he having, does have a shop that is about having climbing. something to climb for he goes for it so maybe that is some ammo in in the column of he really was telling the truth about himself he does seem to love all things outdoors but his yeah, dad says the, the outdoor the shop isn't for him he's not good at the outdoor selling outdoor oh no he's terrible selling. obviously but he likes climbing but the further the movie goes on the more i'm convinced that the catfishing was really just the picture like i it, i don't right. feel like the stuff he said about himself was terribly dishonest even just true just the picture he just didn't look like that right. right which again still a betrayal still something you shouldn't do but you know it seems to be sort of like a plot point that we're supposed to think that or at least that natalie feels that she was sold an entirely different person and she wasn't right. she was sold and he at one point does say all those conversations we had that yeah. was me like yeah. but maybe that's the he other came thing. here to visit me the thing that that she is believing that the person that she had all those conversations with just still also is tag it's super hot yeah as well as like, cool you like but again you still should not lie about your appearance one should not right. lie online so i mean it, it, it's still bad however you slice it it just feels like we are supposed to find natalie at least somewhat reasonable in believing that you know she has been talking to an entirely different person when really she hasn't Right. right. She's been talking to, she saw this picture, said hi, and then started talking to Josh. Yeah. All right. But, so climbing wall, she eventually does get down the wall because Josh he basically pushes her, just off, pushes her yep. off the wall. But Which Tag's is cool super normal impressed because she lands yeah. on her feet and she's like a pro or whatever. And then they go home again, right? What happens then? I can't he, remember. Well, he invites her out to something else that they're doing tomorrow morning at nine because he's spent for the day and can't do anything else today. <laughs> this guy operates exclusively between the hours of nine and 11 a.m. <laughs> Which doesn't sound right for like a just 30 year old, but whatever. <laughs> like, where should we go? We just did a climbing wall. Let's go drink a bunch of beers. What do you say? That's but right. nope, he, it's time for him to leave. That's right. He's tired. And, and he and doesn't then, really say what they're going to do the next day. No, it's a surprise. Then it's that, I think they might have a conversation in the house, but then it's time to go caroling with the family. Oh, yes. I actually quite like this, this scene. And Owen and his wife apparently are able to carry off like five-part harmonies. Yeah, it was like suddenly it turned into glee. Yeah. And I thought this was also a good um, sort of parody scene. I think they were parodying, uh, you know, not only Hallmark, but I think a lot of cheesy christmas movies and kind of self-aware about it so i appreciated that mm -hmm. so at one point you know owen and chelsea do some sort of epic harmony to something or other i can't remember what it was Thanks. oh my god jesus is king or something i don't know why jesus you're the king and remember the advice that natalie gave to josh which is that she has to steal the spotlight back from his brother they just have to get into an upstaging each other arms race which 
seems like a good idea to her. So yeah. in order to steal the spotlight back, somebody says, oh, can you sing Baby, It's Cold Outside? And he says, absolutely, me and Natalie will sing it. It's just that Natalie hates Baby, It's Cold Outside because she thinks it's rapey. Now, Which we know because she mentioned it in the car ride on the way. Baby, it's right. And I, I've got a hot take here. And that hot take, which might be a lukewarm take, is that the baby it's cold outside is problematic thing is played out and like decontextualized and like historically doesn't make a ton of sense. I've, re- I've read a weird amount about it because I'm extremely online and people talked about this a great deal the last two years. Yeah. But that like, there's a sort of broke, woke and bespoke take on it that technically the sort of act of her saying the specific line, hey, what's in this drink is fake. And that she's sort of like pretending, I don't know, it, it's, it's not worth talking about because what's important here is that we know that she doesn't like it because it was set up earlier. And when the John Waters character asks them to play it. Oh my God, that woman is just like a wacky looking red haired grandma who's in the middle of the porch. Well, maybe it's cold outside. Yeah. And, but he says, trust me, you got this. That's right. Maybe it's cold outside, but they sing a woke consensual version of it. That was really annoying. Like, And no one's more annoyed by it than Owen, right? who realizes I have a way to put the spotlight back on me, mom and dad, we're pregnant. But remember what we said about stealing spotlights, Josh has a plan as well, which is to get down on one knee and ask Natalie, who he's known for charitably eight days, right. to marry him. Right, that was grand grandiose. To ring into his hands, it, because she wasn't she like I won't be needing this anymore. Oh, she like, she says here. I can't I don't, take this to the grave. I think she says. I don't. Actually. I don't. I don't have to be buried in it yes. when I die next year on my seventieth birthday. And and she feels lots of pressure, Natalie, and so she says yes, essentially, because you know we're not getting any younger, dear. So then Owen is at home doing his own research. Oh yes, he decides <laughs> that she can't possibly be real, sort of. And what I love about it is is that it is totally clear that the only reason he's mad at her is because everyone is looking at her and liking her more than him. And I do appreciate that. The other thing, the funniest line in the whole movie is in this scene where he is looking stuff up. She has headphones. The wife. The wife has headphones on the belly. And he says something like, doesn't even have a heartbeat, let alone ears. And she says... She when she says, "Oh, um, everyone knows that stretch mark or the say it. I can't read your writing. Music prevents stretch marks, Owen. (laughs) (laughs) That oh, it's it's perfect. It's like a sweet little drop of chocolate. I love it. It definitely is something Kylie Jenner would say to Travis Scott. (laughs) (laughs) Then to update her friends back home, she has a call with her blonde friend with an." extremely dark nod at the blonde's ongoing out of control alcoholism. What? It's just like she, they're, they're having this conversation oh, yes. pouring yes. a ton of booze into her coffee mug. And then she ends the conversation by going, oh, I have to go, it's my sponsor. I'm like, <laughs> yes. whoa. whoa. I missed that. Yeah, I remember that too. I Johnny. missed that too, actually. Whoa, whoa. Was she kidding? Yes. I, I guess I appreciate the in contrast to Hallmark movies, this movie is not afraid to go there and get kind of dark. 
But so, I mean, after watching it. so many Hallmark movies in a row, even though yeah, this still is not like my cup of tea exactly, it's kind of refreshing that dark humor is allowed. Yep. That's right. Definitely there's, not in Hallmark. There's some more coming, so have fun. So then she goes upstairs and has a little talk with the dad and sort of learns some more about the family and how important family is to them and that this guy is actually kind of a good guy. Then it's the next day and she's on what she thinks is a really nice hike date. She comments on it and Tag says, that's not the date. We're going friggin' bobsledding. I know. Well, Lake Placid did have the Winter Olympics in like, it did. I don't know. Which is why Some this movie man. takes place there. For the one bobsledding scene. <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry. This city hosted the Winter Olympics and we're supposed to believe it doesn't have a hospital? Yes, exactly right. <laughs> in 1980 and all of the Olympians went to the vet. Oh, Sorry, also, I want to jump back to the conversation with the dad because she, he she folds the kindling crappy like she, he gives her like a piece of magazine and she folds it like in half and then in half again and he's like no you got to crumple it and then she says something like my dad never taught me about lighting a fire the only time he would light a fire is when there was an insurance claim to fake like her dad was an arsonist yeah it <laughs> just like slipped in there like Natalie's fucked up family. That's right. That's right. Also, let's get to know them. They sound fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> so cool. I see it coming. So, right. then, so then she's freaking out that she has to go on this bobsled. She calls Josh so that he can once again say, you've got this. And she realizes that she does have it. She doesn't have her headphones, but she does have the the joint that Eric gave her in the the exposition heavy lift ride from the airport. That's now, right. what kind of a stoner just like gives you a joint? To like, well, those like for the road. were the kind that you get at like the easy mode at the dispensary where it's like, oh, it's right <laughs> next to the register and it won't get me very high at all. Let's well, yeah. take that to Joe. He was supposed yep. to give it to Josh. Oh, yes. Oh, okay, that's right. That's right. No, I was just thinking, like, I, I, I guess it, it kind of reminds me of, you know, the Halloween hysteria where there will always be something like going around the internet, like, watch out, people are going to put like, cbd or like weed candy and your kitty's pumpkins like no the fuck they're not they want that shit for themselves it's too expensive right like you, you don't just like to that, out. that out to children anyway. so that she uh, we are then led to believe that she takes this joint smokes all of it and then goes bobsledding totally which, normal <laughs> and somehow like smokes all of it without him noticing yeah which of course a guy like tag would have no idea what marijuana smells like I mean, couldn't it have been an edible? That wouldn't that have made this much easier? Yeah, that would have hit a lot later, though. That, but oh, that's a good point. I mean, I I don't. This came up in a previous episode that I don't actually know how weed works. I know. I always yeah. have to be the resident pot expert on this show. Oh, <laughs> that's right. So then she goes home after having had a, a successful bobsledding. Finds Josh. Hard I have a medicinal on. license, our listeners. Finds Josh hard at work on his candles. We are now in Josh's candles part two, and. She smells some of them and she smells, there's a private candle that's just for Josh. That sounds really creepy, by the way. <laughs> the scene was extremely hallmark. The, the like listing of the different scents and the evocative nature of scent and the power of candles, especially those artisanally made by hand, like you can find on Etsy.com slash offer code. But we also wrote down that her, that grandpa smelled like gasoline. That's right. But I did I did think that in the Hallmark this would be look at my collection of homemade snow globes. 
You remind me of grandpa. <laughs> and or something like that. Like it and the girl would have made them, definitely not the guy. So this was kind of a, a, a twist off from that. Or or here's my gourmet candy cane company. <laughs> there was there's a couple of moments too where like there is she just goes back and forth between like I'm sort of falling in love with this man and I'm determined that I have never learned a single true fact about him that like she says somewhere in here hey no look I know you like <laughs> based on nothing I'm like do you they don't know each other at all it's the best but we do also we get a lot of scenes of sort of her seeing him and figuring out his life and figuring out what's going on with him and where he comes from and what he he's actually like we never see him doing that to her which right. I, I understand is very hallmark because if we actually got to know her then i wouldn't be able to pretend that i am her but that's neither here nor there well and i think we're supposed to expect that because she was quote unquote honest on the dating app he's already gotten to know her oh yeah like he's gotten to know her while she was in la yeah. right so then it's movie night and they are watching Love Actually, obviously. She makes the barf noise because she does not care for it. And we find out that they are going to be in the morning's papers with a big, what we later find out is a half page ad in the paper announcing their engagement. Yes. And we're meant to believe that they stay up all night long stealing as many newspapers as they possibly can. Which yep. is so that Tag won't see it because now Tag is dating Natalie. And so and she's, she's lined up to actually go on a date with him to the restaurant that his family owns. Uh, yes. yes, he has now asked her to dinner because he's decided that he can he can do something after 10 a.m. <laughs> We're in the back of the car and they are oh, right. yeah, yeah, they yeah. are going to review. Let me see your old Oh yes, this is a great no, this, part. This... I loved this part actually. This is where it was. Do you still have your old pictures? He's like, no, I probably don't even have them. She goes, I know you. You do have them. To clarify, by old pictures, she means the pictures that he put on the dating app before he started using tags pictures. Because his story is that he switched to using tags pictures because he never got any matches with his own pictures. So he figured that women couldn't like him. Three matches, one of which was his teacher who's 70. And so he figured women couldn't be attracted to the real him. So he had to be tag and see how that went. But and what I loved about it, so they do eventually find his real photos, obviously. And in the first one, it's a bathroom selfie with him with a wrench. <laughs> so he was, so he was fixing the toilet. <laughs> Another one is him with a hammer. And he said, women like stuff, men that fix stuff or something. And then the last one is him with his climbing rope. And she makes this joke that's like, are you trying to be Professor Plum? What are you doing here? There was also an axe. Don't forget there was oh, the axe. Oh, the axe. Exactly. It wasn't, it wasn't a hammer. It was an axe. He was like chopping something or whatever. He's like He was going for like a rugged lumberjack and just looked like axe murderer. Yeah, yes. exactly. And she was like, what? Were you trying to find Professor Plum in the billiard room with the <laughs> wrench? Because it literally was all weapons from Clue, which I love. Which really bothered me because... Professor Plum and all the other Clue characters that we are familiar with are not the murder victims. Yes! True. Yes! She says, were you trying to find a date or find out who killed Colonel Mustard in the library? And I'm like, oh, actually, I think you'll find Mr. Body was the victim. Thank you. Oh, Thank you. Right. That's right. That's right. Not, not, not well referenced. So what happens after the newspapers? 
So then it's time for her to get ready for her date. And she has taken and altered one of his mother's dresses. That was bizarre. Because she was- still never has her luggage, but she's wearing all clothes from grandma she and mother. So many clothes. Yeah. And they all kind of fit. Anyway. Yeah. So she alters I hope a- your mom doesn't mind. Doesn't uh- mind that I fucking cut the sleeves off her dress. <laughs> Anyway. Why didn't what? How bad did it look with the sleeves on the dress? Like, so she's going to this restaurant that Tag's family owns. That's called like I don't know, Abbott's or something like that. Steakhouse. And it's and a steakhouse, and she's a vegetarian. And Josh kind of gives her a hard time about that. Yeah, it's never been mentioned before that she's a vegetarian, and this is where I think it actually was mentioned at breakfast. At breakfast, yeah, the father offers her bacon, yeah, and she says she's a vegetarian. That. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah, I they missed. in unison say she's a vegetarian because Josh remembers, of course. It, it was Chekhov's vegetarianism, if you will. <laughs> there are so it's Chekhov's kiwi allergy. It's Chekhov's baby Jesus. I have a whole list of it. It's Chekhov's the Mormons. It's Chekhov's <laughs> love. I can't action. wait to see Chekhov's the Mormons. It's Maybe Chekhov's, a rewrite should just be like, "What if Chekhov wrote this movie?" That's it's right. Chekhov's lost luggage. So. She goes to the steak dinner. So it's back and forth between the steak date and making gingerbread houses. And on the steak date is where I kind of was, this is where some shades of the movie I wish this was started to show through that it was like, she said, Die Hard is a Christmas movie. And he just went, okay. And clinked a glass. Like, <laughs> not I agree, not I disagree. Just like, well, all right, you have fun with that. But that was a little bit of foreshadowing, Johnny, for, for tags. I don't do Christmas. Oh, my uh, God. Yes. So, but before that happens, we have Detective Owen swinging by and seeing them having this dinner date. And he's, like, I- in his car, driving along, looking in the Food window. He's like it's a cigar. Oh, I loved it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he had to go get more Twizzlers for, the, for his roof. That was his... Uh, that was why he had to go out, but surely not. He just went to go. No, to he was just trying to spy. So then it's the ride home with Tag, and he finds she finds out that he doesn't celebrate Christmas, yes. which is an unforgivable sin in movies like and this. There's no reason why, right? He just thinks it's dumb. Okay. No, yeah. I think it was something about Santa being a lie or something, if I recall. That was a scam. I remember oh, him saying yeah. this yeah. is a scam something about that but anyway it was it was not a strong enough reason for you know not like his mother passed away on christmas or something like that well because that's not be like con- he practices another religion that you no. know that's not into christianity that would all be too much character to give this guy right we're supposed to think he's just hot and there's no substance so that would have been way too substantial which honestly i think this guy is going to be typecast as that kind of dude that forever like, Looks like he's really hot and has no substance, but actually kind of does. Like wow. his, his I think Paxton is kind of similar though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's a he's a knob, but like what the way that he said she has a condition about the karaoke scene was like, oh yeah, because his sister is oh wait, that's a different show. Right. <laughs> so then it's the next morning and Josh is eating breakfast in his hoodie. <laughs> It's not the big family breakfast. No, it's a lone sad We're breakfast. done with that. Oh, yeah. Here's the oatmeal in the fridge or whatever. He's yes. like, they have a bit of a conversation, but they are they are whisked away by the old decrepit grandma to go to her assisted living oh, home God. that she maybe doesn't live in uh, to give them an online dating clinic. Right. By her, her, her grandson and his new fiance. And the olds just want to kid around. Like, they're saying, how do I... Do I have to mention 
my Parkinson's and someone's like, maybe you can say always on the move. <laughs> and they, they go back and forth with all these jokes that does land on another bit of extreme darkness of, and maybe Larry can say he'd prefer to stay in tonight. And they go over to their, their guy who's like in a coma. Did they? Yes. Yeah, they did. They did. They said he likes to stay in. Stay inside. We're being laid. It was really bad. It's really bad. And Josh cuts them all off and is like, "No, you people, stop having fun. You have to be honest because if you're not honest, nothing else is whatever." Worth it. Then they go. Essentially, they have to go to the engagement party. That's gonna. That's a surprise engagement party. Yes, surprise engagement party. At the restaurant that Tag's family owns. Of course. So of course, so Tag now is there. going to be like crazy, crazy mad cat comedy ensued. Yeah. Two yeah. girls to the same dance. So they're at the, the surprise engagement party, and it's mad cat comedy of, of dodging and weaving between Tag, who is serving the hors d'oeuvres, and uh, Josh. And Tag's very excited to meet this new fiance of Josh's because he hasn't met her yet. But now is where all of the pieces of this Rube Goldberg machine start to truly fall into place because who's here but Lee is apparently his name, her boss. Yes. He found out about this party on Facebook. Tag didn't, even though his parents uh, own the party. He didn't see any details. Um, <laughs> True. And who else shows up but Eric because he knew that, that Natalie would be there and they found her bag and he dug through it. He... <laughs> Brings it over to Josh. It was like, there's a lot of cool underwear in there, dude. You're a lucky man. Gross. That's I right. still like him. Yeah, we still like him. That's only what a stoner would do that, though. But, you know. And then Lee, and, Lee the boss, and Owen the brother run into each other at the bar and have this also, like, tantalizing uh, moment together where you really, I really thought that they might hook up. Like, Owen orders some kind of whiskey and Lee is like, all right, that's a man's drink. And they have this like, I know, I guess. That's true, that was kind of weird. They sort of exchange eyes. Knowing glances. But then that's where all the pieces fall into place and Owen finds out who Natalie really is. Eric and Tag meet up and Eric points out the fiance. So now Tag knows who Natalie really is. And then it's time for speeches. And yeah. the cat's truly out of the bag. The dad says something vulnerable and nice. And Natalie decides it's time to come clean. To come clean. I'm going to go up. And now realizing that not only has she been lying to Tag, but she has technically been lying to Josh this whole time since she was here to write about their disaster date, which was a thing that I had kind of forgotten about. For sure. That, yeah. like, She's really sort of been using all these men this whole time. <laughs> and this right. is just a classic 90s rom-com moment. This is the moment in She's All That where the chick who's supposed to be Eliza Doolittle figures out that the dude only dated her to win a bet. This right. is where, um, you know, Julia well, Stiles same, same with Julia finds Stiles out and... that Heath Ledger got paid to go out with her by a guy who went to date her sister. So this is, this is a classic rom-com moment of there has to be a dramatic speech where one of our heroes has to come clean about having been dishonest and 
shitty to the partner that they've somehow accidentally actually fallen in love with. Correct. It is, Mary, the end of act two. So on to act three. So then we, then Natalie sort of takes off somewhere to lock herself in a room and finally write the thing she's been sent here to write, but it might be a little different this time. Then it's time for Josh's Candles part three because she's arranged a bunch of them out and told him to believe in himself and just be true to what his actual deal is because now she's decided to land on the side that Josh is actually a decent guy who just needs to be honest with himself. Dad picks up one of the candles and realizes this smells just like grandpa. Grandpa. That tender moment I did write down in my notes, the dad smelling the grandpa candle is very lovely. Oh, that, nice. It's very nice. Also, no one's mad at Josh. No. God, no. So this, this <laughs> is your version of the amicable split from your Hallmark movies that yes. like, Josh has been deceiving his entire family for a week because he didn't believe we believed he was good enough to have anyone love him. And hey, bud, tough break. Good night. True. I forgot about that. It was a bit of like a, that's okay, Josh. We'll see you tomorrow. So no. then he finally does stand up to his dad. and He says, I want to make candles. I don't want to help people scale Everest or scuba dive the Great Barrier Reef. Dude, you're in upstate New York. People aren't shopping at your store to do those things. That's right. And then his dad says, that's okay. You weren't very good at it anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry about it, son. We never really loved you. Then Natalie has gone to a hotel where she's at the hotel bar having what I'm calling the dark night of the boss, where she has like a, a real heart to heart with Lee where he shows a degree of compassion and intuition that we had been led to believe he was incapable of. Uh, And he too can really see her and is like, why did you really stay? And she starts, then we go upstairs and the film makes one of the many uh, attempts of film to dramatize the experience of writing. And it never works out. It never really does. It did okay, I think. Like the Webster's defines, no, the great, says that you know like just trying to start something with the first sentence of a thing but then she somewhere does have the like waking up and being like wait a minute i know how to do this and then goes and says and just knocks this thing out and then also somewhere along the line in that hotel stay matches with josh but this time he's got new headshots that's right not not the 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 axe and the wrench and the rope. No, they're, and they're actually him. They're not tagged. And she, that makes her smile. And then I guess an entire day passes and she sort of narrates what her, what she believes the conclusion to have been. Then she shows up at his house. He comes to the door and she has the, the cardboard box that she destroyed. How many cardboard boxes? I think I picked a lot. One. I think there were like 11. <laughs> So she found- I'm not sure where she got all those cardboard boxes, honestly. They were just hanging out at her hotel room. At that point, I think it would have been a lot easier to just go to Staples and buy poster board. Like, (laughs) oh shit. Would have been a, did the movie run out of the money to do that? And they were like, I don't know, man, just use the stuff that we got all this liquor. The town probably didn't have a Staples either. (laughs) Good point, good point. If she did go to Kinko's in a town without a hospital. That's right. But she could go to the bobsled place. Maybe they could help her with some songs. Right? (laughs) That's true. That's true. She she went to one of these sporting goods stores and asked for a few boxes. Area of, uh, of Lake Placid. Mm-hmm. So then she says she's been looking in, in the cards. She says, say it's the Mormons and we've paid off 
the Mormons thing from before. And this and, is the Love Actually scene. I, I don't know if we've clarified that. This oh, is yeah, the, yeah. She has the Love Actually scene where she's she has these cardboard boxes on which she's written a bunch of um, a long message to him that she doesn't want to say out loud and she doesn't want the parents to hear, even though they all come out eventually anyway. And she says, I've been looking for the perfect guy, but you're perfect for me. And how I know you're perfect for me is because we did that thing that time with the newspapers. <laughs> and then echoes the Love Actually poster from the initial match photo where it has a thumbs up, thumbs down on it. And oh, she yes. gives him a Sharpie to check yes or no, do you like me? And he flips it around and writes, yippee motherfucker. That's right. And then the movie ends. But Oh, but he has to kiss her. Because that's oh, a grandma's kiss. Son. They kiss, yeah. And then they like spend Christmas together and we get like one minute of Christmas with the family. And that's- And then obviously they're totally living happily ever, happily, ever happily ever after. Right. And so it's them like, not, not even opening presents. They just are by the tree. And grandma says, what's a dick pic? Oh God, the end. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> Yeah. Like she wouldn't know. <laughs> I also think that's pretty self-explanatory to be honest with you. Right? And also how are you hearing about it before you see it when you're on these these dating apps? I'm your I'm your 69-year-old grandmother who loves to fuck but I don't know what a dick pic is. <laughs> that's very true. That was that was a good one. Every girl's dream of sharing your first kiss with somebody in front of your boyfriend's entire family. <laughs> well, she knows them all now. It's fine. Of course, Johnny. It's totally yeah. fine. It ended extremely abruptly. Thus, Hallmark well, movies do that too, though. They, they always end extremely abruptly. There's like, last kiss, boom, bang, done. Roll the credits. Everybody's happy. We Every now it. and then, there'll be like one year later, and there's a ring and a proposal, and then boom, bang, done, roll the credits. Yeah, they didn't do that in this one. There's no falling action ever. No. No falling narration, action. nothing. It just ends. That was an excellent recap with a, of a lot of our own personal commentary on this one. I think we can still follow the same format, even though this is the ep- episode, you know, subtitled Netflix stuff. That's a good bingo. Congratulations. Of our there's still definitely Hallmark. Yeah, bingo yeah there's definitely here. Things, things here. So the first thing we there's course, a bit more self-aware, is, yeah. is the bingo. And my bingo moment was actually the caroling. But I would say that because it was kind of like Glee, I enjoyed it more. Even the cheesy rewrite of Baby It's Cold Outside, I did think it was a very cute little caroling moment. I liked it. What about you guys? We had a couple, actually. We had, First, there was the outfit she wears in one of the original dates is like a pretty capital H Hallmark outfit. It's the turtleneck mm-hmm. with the matching puffy vest. Very, I know, ivory on white. Yep. Yeah, um, very Hallmark. Mm-hmm. And then also, it, it was all before the movie properly took off that it was her dragging the Christmas tree into her apartment alone. Mm-hmm. Very When Harry Met Sally and every other. If you want to quickly show that someone loves the family holiday but doesn't have a family. Uh-huh. Make them drag a, drag, drag a tree. You got to drag a tree. Yes, from a t- Christmas tree lot in L.A. What about you, Mary? I mean, I guess it's got to be since neither of you, since you guys didn't take these yet, either the tree trimming or the gingerbread making. And they were, as is often, I think I used this in a previous episode this season already, gingerbread making and the fact that somebody's gingerbread house was like unrealistically good. Did you notice the tags 
Gingerbread Owen. wall of Owen's gingerbread wall was like two stories tall of unbroken gingerbread that I'm like, there's no way. <laughs> Everyone else is like gluing these little flat things together, like mid-mod. And he, yeah. He's making a and gingerbread it, mansion. Yeah. So like, I appreciated that in this case, they were self-aware about that. And like, it's kind of part of the joke that Owen is making this ridiculously good gingerbread house because this is like Owen and he has to upstage everyone with his gingerbread house. Whereas if it were Hallmark, it would just be like a six-year-old who did that because they're talented. All right, well, those are all very stereotypical with a bit of a Netflix twist on it, I guess, which I think we could all appreciate. Hashtag relatable with Hallmark Top. What about relatable johnny chris what did you find relatable in love heart but and but you do mean actually relatable yeah <laughs> well it's hashtag relatable to be fair but yeah i actually had one for this and if somebody else takes it, i'm gonna be mad because i have nothing else oh go man okay. i hate love actually oh me too me too i like, hate 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 love actually it's so bad it's extremely sexist Love actually is way more sexist than Baby It's Cold Outside. We both hashtag relatable that, but do we have one? I think, well, I, <laughs> I, I hashtag relatable to the feeling overshadowed by an older sibling. <laughs> no, by what? all your older siblings, you mean. <laughs> and I'm a Pisces. Wait a second, Johnny, where are you in the birth order? I'm Last. the youngest. Oh, you're the youngest. I'm the baby. But he, I, he was smarter than all three of us combined, which was always hard to, to be that. I think honestly, though, my actual hashtag relatable is the like someone else giving me a writing assignment that I think is dumb and then trying to do everything I can to make it be different and them not wanting me to. But like, I need you to go and write about this thing being a disaster to you. Like, but I don't want it to be a disaster. Let's go. Did you have anything specific, Chris, besides hating love, actually? I don't think that I honestly did. Well, it was also very, like, these aren't characters, they're people with a collection of interests. It was kind of hard to relate to or imprint with any of them, like. Yeah. Though to be fair, that in itself is kind of relatable for the way that we now present ourselves online. Not necessarily like us particularly, but like that was actually realistic in a way mm-hmm. yeah I think that's a really interesting take that I didn't kind of put on this that that it is true that this sort of collection of things that I'm going to keep telling you things I like until you find one that you don't like and then we stop talking right. <laughs> that is kind of how online conversations go well and I, the only thing I could relate to is that this girl was on a dating app and that she goes on really bad dates <laughs> because I have done that that's right. Yeah, anyway. so that's my relatable moment. So that brings us to how do we want to rewrite this? And I think we've sort of collectively agreed that there. this is obviously not the typical Hallmark formula, which is what Netflix is trying to get right, that they don't want to follow that very stereotypical formula. But they did still do some things wrong. One of which I think that Tag was not dumb enough. Agreed. <laughs> And, and Josh did not magically turn into some totally sexy guy with a montage makeover over several different scenes. And this is where we think we could add some real good 
this could be really awesome movie. Which I think also addresses another problem, which is this movie, um, and this might not be a problem to everyone. This might be just my tastes. This movie genuinely made me laugh a few times, which Hallmark movies never do, at least oh, not in a, it was intentional kind yeah. of way. We um, laugh, but at We them. laugh, but at them, not with them. This movie, I laughed with it a few times. And it was definitely self-aware in some ways that Hallmark movies never, ever are. I thought it could have stepped that up. I thought it would have been better as like a straight up kind of parody of this genre of movie than trying to walk the line between being a parody and being in the genre. And mm-hmm. so I think our rewrite will also kind of get at that. It probably stuck too, too much to the rom-com and only mild piss take of Hallmark. And they could have they could have done it a bit better for sure. Yeah. So what would happen in our new version and where would we kick it off? We don't have to go back much further than the deal. <laughs> sort of putting the, the pieces in place still makes sense. You, you still have the older two impressive brother. You still have Josh. Oh, who has to be gay in this one. That has to happen. Yes. So that is the thing that I want, I want to kind of build into our version is that um, absolutely everybody is misrepresenting themselves somehow. Absolutely everybody in at the beginning of the movie is pretending to be something that they are not. And to be fair, this movie does a fairly decent job of having at least three characters majorly misrepresent themselves and having that be kind of a theme. Um, We're just we're just stepping it up. Yes. So, yes, the the brother is secretly gay. I think like we may find out that that Tag doesn't really like outdoor stuff himself, but is just trying to impress his dad or something. Well, I actually it just came to me. Maybe we obviously decided that Tag's going to be way dumber. And potentially a crossover between Eric the stoner and his actual self. But I think it would be interesting that like, and this could be a touch too far, but maybe he's like stolen Josh's personality for his dating dating that profile be because awesome. he's actually really stupid and has no personality. And he knows. Right. That would be really fun. And so <laughs> his whole outdoors shtick is actually because Josh works at the outdoors store. Yeah, and and he that's the closest has, he, he goes in there all the time and asks him questions about yeah. it and like, you know, and he has to do all this stuff to like and he, he asked him about candle making and stuff like and he like writes this whole profile that's his personality with his face on it because he has a shitty personality one day he sees josh reading thoreau and he's like oh what is this <laughs> yes yes so like he goes out and buys the cliff notes Books. and yeah. <laughs> makes it his favorite book oh my god so they're just gonna like swap everything I, this is a brilliant way better awesome. already so, so Josh is hiding under the cover of his hotness and that he's is just a stoner. Oh, sorry, Tag is. Josh is actually got a really cool personality, but we're going to make him get hot. And, mm-hmm. and you know, he's cute anyway, but like all these rom-coms, we take off the glasses, we give him a haircut and a new wardrobe and a great mm-hmm. montage and his life is perfect. Right. I think even just better glasses. Oh, that's true. He could still have glasses. And I don't think the point even needs to be that like Josh is going to be, you know, a total dime at the end. I think the point is that we've all seen a ton of movies where a young woman who is really not that unattractive, we're supposed to believe is like unlookably hideous. And then the second they give her a haircut and a pair of contact lenses, she's a knockout. And so like, let's do this with a dude because why the fuck not? Well, I have, I can't remember where I saw this this year. And I don't know if it was in a Hallmark one or a different one on Netflix, but at one point, I swear to God, at one point they were like, thank goodness I got this new shirt that's able to be untucked. Was that in this movie? 
No. You know, like the untuck it shirt for men that's like in the magazine on the airplane. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Like always an ad for that. Like you don't tuck it in, and that's the thing. Literally, a movie I watched this year was like, I know I look great. Thank goodness for this untuck it shirt that I bought. And so I there's got to be like a product placement in its makeover. That's like. Yeah. I have some questions about the untuck it shirt. Does is it does it have like a shirt tail that just happens to not wrinkle up? Or does it just like look like it's tucked in when it's untucked? Oh no, it looks like you're not, it's just a bit like stiffer so that when it like slims your around yourself, it looks like a shirt tail. But in other words, just buy a shirt and iron it. Well, yeah, the the pitch of it is that most shirts are designed and cut based on the fact that they know you'll tuck it in. And this one is- Okay, that's fair. This is supposed to like accentuate the male hips or something, I don't know true like if you buy a shirt that fits you and then you don't tuck it in you get the same outcome but this is like literally called untuck it i have to look up what movie that was that had the reference to it i feel like i I can't remember is there like a movie all entirely based on in-flight magazine stuff yet because i feel like there should there should be like kind of a she was a hot shot sky mall writer (laughs) exactly and he was a frequent flyer. Yeah. All I want for Christmas is Skyball. So on the oh, topic of is. the makeover, it, I would like for the the grandmother to find out about the whole scheme. And I would like the makeover to come from the grandmother. And I would therefore like the grandmother, the makeover to at first suck. Suck at the makeover or just suck in general? Like she turns she turns him into something very ridiculous and like tells him not to wear his glasses and then he can't see and then he's like this this handsome guy who's really flashily dressed but he can't survive like that he should be flashily dressed in like 80s clothes or something yeah yeah and then he like eventually has to because to me the the idea what this movie was kind of pushing for initially is like you don't have to be perfect you just have to be honest so like then after trying to get made over to look some kind of hot he then has to make over himself to figure out how he actually looks good and then he does get better glasses because those glasses were bad it's like i don't need to i don't need to lose the glasses i just need good glasses that could be product placement i got these new glasses from warby parker that i got to try on in the app and because i went to warbyparker.com slash love hard i saved up to 15 percent on my (laughs) twitter you guys you guys came up with an interesting idea that i think i want to i want to toss it out there which does change everything that we're talking about but if the thing that we actually find out when she arrives in lake placid is not just that josh has been using tag's pictures but that josh and tag actually have a deal where in this town josh uses tag's pictures and (laughs) his own personality to have online conversations and tag uses josh's personality to have in-person conversations (laughs) and she matches with both of them and is like This one's dumb, but he sounds good online. And, and this one's hot, but he sucks. <laughs> but then is Josh, is Josh going to coach Tag and like have like an in-ear monitor in his ear and be like, say Thoreau would say this. Well, and then what's going to happen then if he ends up doing that is he's going to sabotage Tag's chances with Natalie. 
so that he can well, get with her. And she's going to realize, and we're back to the Serrano de Bergerac um, yeah. adaptation, yeah. actually. So here he is, like, writing the script for this other dude. And then he's like, fuck it. I don't want to give you the script anymore. I want the script for myself. And then you Tag's know? like, maybe Tag decides, I'll hook you up with my stylist, Carson Kresler. And, and you can help, you know, like, they sort of, like, I don't know. But there's got to be somebody for Tag, I feel like. This was a missed moment, I felt, in the movie. That he just, like, weirdly... Doesn't seem that upset about any of this also shit that's happened to him, which is kind of hallmark of them. And yeah, about he Lee? doesn't seem mad. How about Lee? Ooh. How about Ooh. What about what about Owen and Lee? I know I want Lee and Owen together. I well, think. I think Owen is oh, too far oh, in. Oh, oh, like... Carrie. Oh, Carrie. Uh, there is Carrie. Our alcoholic friend in LA. But I also would be really okay with Tag just like learning to be comfortable with himself. Or like learning to be cooler because he's dumb as rocks. Like he's gonna yeah. like go stuck. He he actually picks up the row at the end and for whatever reason decides he really is into it and becomes like some literary geek or something like that. He starts yeah. like writing bad. And poetry. then the last scene is yeah. like him at the library and the librarian is there and she's helping him find books and she's like he's he's like let me just help you with that and he takes off her glasses <laughs> and she's suddenly Anne Hathaway. And, and we got to pick something better than Thoreau, but maybe, maybe not. But like he finds his own way by becoming a cooler personality. I think that like the I'll hook you up with Carson Kressley. It's not Carson Kressley. It's Tag that part of. What, ah, yes. He is actually good at styling. Part mm-hmm. of, and that's that's the only reason he comes off looking so hot is just like, I just know how to dress and you can Dude, do it. Dude, you got to wear a beanie inside all the time. <laughs> Grow out that. some stubble they have all the ingredients but they just have to like write the recipe together so now it's not about her at all <laughs> no it's only James. she's just Let like a bystander her. almost in the in the two boys who i would especially in our version are far more interesting characters than her i think we have a rewrite it's not really heavy plot change it's more just like a thematic shift and adding some more sarcastic elements that would make it way better so obviously natalie and josh are going to end up together because she's going to realize that when she was fake dating tag with the like in-ear monitor moment that she was actually dating josh's personality and whatever only at the end would we figure out that tag is actually going to be cooler because otherwise she would very quickly be like oh if he's going to turn cool maybe i should right. go out with him instead so that and he's he's very quickly like hooked but up he's with not gonna the Anne hathaway cool. librarian yeah. However, can we make Chelsea the Anne Hathaway librarian? Because I feel bad that like, you know, o- Owen's leaving. Like Owen. Oh you know, yeah, the sister like, who's pregnant with the gay yeah, husband. Yeah, the sister-in-law. Yeah. So I mean, like, you know, she still needs to get something out of this ending after Owen leaves her for Lee. Yeah, true. that's true. That would be a much better wrap up, especially since yeah. Carrie never got on a plane anyway. And it would be extremely hallmark to just tie it up that neatly, where you don't even have to introduce a new character. You just sort of shift the ones around that are there, and everybody's with the right person. Oh, but to be fair, Chelsea is kind of dumb. Maybe that's a better fit. Remember? Yeah, she's like, kind of dumb. It, he's maybe kind of Tag dumb. doesn't They're need both to kind get of smarter. Dumb. They just They're kind just of are dumb it. and in love. And, and, yeah. and he's like, you should really put these headphones on your on your stomach. It will help the stretch marks. And then they know it's true love. <laughs> yeah, and maybe and Tad could be, you know, an excellent father once he... But then I also want, like, maybe instead of being, like, a actually into the outdoors guy, he's like outdoors influencer type where like 
he he's really good at staging things. He's really he's he's those guys on Instagram, and then the two of them become like influencers together. But because All he's right. honest now, because he's honest now, he's going to his whole shtick as an influencer isn't going to be like I'm this super adventurous outdoorsy guy who knows how to do everything. His whole shtick is going to be you know the outdoors for dummies because yeah. like i am yeah. also a dummy who doesn't know how to do jack shit and we're going to make yeah. mistakes and learn together and he'll be honest about it for dummies yeah. by dummies yeah. We, yeah we did miss in the recap one thing that i thought was actually quite another good line by chelsea and they were watching love love actually and they were like oh he's in that movie about vampires and yeah. no right. he's in the oh, walking right. dead and she goes I hated that documentary. She also, for some reason, immediately said he's in Game of Thrones. So, yeah, I, I think they actually are better fit. Lee and Owen are obviously in love. And this, like, mask of her dating Josh, and he just gets a little bit better dressed via Josh. And everybody's happy. The one thing that, that was kind of missing. Oh, yeah, by like, tag. Sorry. How she comes, how she comes to town. So I think instead of showing up and finding Josh and not realizing and being like, who the heck is this guy? I think she turns up at Tag's house and he doesn't know who she is because she's been having all these conversations with Josh. So that moment could be really funny too, of like, it's me, I'm here. And he's like, Who are you? Hi, you. You sure are here. But he's really high. So he's like, He doesn't really care. And but I do think is that it doesn't matter anyway. Right. I do think he's the one in the parents' basement, and Josh actually has a cooler life. That Ted yeah, is, definitely. you know, he says he like has this cool loft apartment in like Placid that's right near the bobsledding place or something, and yeah. that's actually what Josh has. Is there a way that we can get the scene in Down with Love? where they're each having a date <laughs> at their own houses, pretending to be the other person? <laughs> Part where Oh, oh, with Niles. Niles yeah. pretending to be Catcher Block. Where yeah. he uses Catcher's apartment and Catcher uses his apartment because they're they're trying to pretend to be each other. Yes. Would somehow Josh takes somebody to the parents' basement while Tag <laughs> takes uh, Natalie to Josh's cool flat. And he can't work the climbing wall and he, he has like some kind of campfire that's like a push button campfire and he has no yeah. idea how that works and the place yeah. and, and she's like let's do s'mores and he's like uh i think he put the chocolate on the stick oh my god this is amazing that would be so funny and then they burn the apartment down and that's when josh shows up and that's when everything uh, yeah. comes out in the open right 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 Actually, I really want this movie to be made now. Me too. Our, our, our version would be quite good, actually. I know. Watch it. Real quick, you just reminded me, the main character, Nina Dobrev, was somehow, like, if you squint, I really thought it was Courtney Cox sometimes. I didn't ah. see that. But she looked like if Courtney Cox and who else, I was like, if they had a sister. Oh, who was it? Or it a was- kid. I think this movie is, I mean, we almost need to, like, write to Netflix and be like, could you make a sequel? But we wrote is, it for you already. Here's what's going right. to happen. This is what happens. I did the other day, listen back to the uh, the previous time we guessed it on your podcast. And I still want that movie too. Wait, oh, which so- episode was that? I'm sorry. Was- Christmas comes twice. And oh, okay. oh yeah. The other thing that I realized we, we missed, I want to add an addendum here that we miss a real opportunity because that movie explicitly takes place in 2020 and then goes back in time to 2015 and there is no mention of the pandemic there would be mention of the pandemic well we talked about that we did a time travel movie last week yeah that they 
it it's in 2021 and they go back to 2011 and they're like who won the world series and she's like oh blah blah i'm a doctor but i'm not gonna tell you what happens in 2020 <laughs> yeah but she's not gonna you know we, we were like you think you'd be like have you guys looked into mrna research like <laughs> no nothing no but i can tell you who won the world series Ho, 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 ho. Ho, ho, ho. Hmm. One thing we have been doing, because this year there was no seasonal preview to the movies starring Uh-oh. CCB, is that we look a little bit ahead to some movie titles. That well, next may... weekend we're watching The Nine Kittens of Christmas, I believe, right? We are watching the... I know, look at Johnny's face. He's like, what? Where? You tell me nine... Where can we watch this? So that movie is actually going to be on Thanksgiving Day, I think, right? It is. And it's apparently a sequel to The Nine Lives of Christmas, which came out last year, and I did not see. And I'm going to right now announce my intention of not watching the first one. We have some really decent decent ones coming up over the Thanksgiving break, including Christmas CEO, An Unexpected Christmas, Making Spirits Bright, Christmas at Castle Heart, and I have a feeling that wraps up that one. And then over on the other channel, we have time for them to come home for Christmas, as opposed for time for me to come home for Christmas, time for you to come home for Christmas, time for us to come home for Christmas. Wait, because last year there was one called, was there one last year called like time for me to come home for Christmas? I think last year it was time for us to come home for Christmas. Okay. And that was the one. Okay, by the way, these are all produced by what's his name who is on the voice or who was is married to Gwen Stefani the country music guy who she's married to now Blake Shelton is producing all of these movies that are called time for blah blah to come home for Christmas and last year was the one that was time for us to come home for Christmas which was all these people got invited to a hotel for some reason unbeknownst to them and we turn it into a scooby-doo mystery which was actually much better. I like that. I think this is a new low in the cheesy titles because usually there's at least like some kind of new pun or something, but like they're literally just changing the pronoun. Is uh, time for them to come home for Christmas going to be about a gender non-conforming person? Good call, Johnny. I like it. No, it won't. Spoiler alert. <laughs> or it's just like a plural group of people referred to in the third person because yeah. This appears that actually maybe this is proof that it is in fact gender non-conforming because it appears that this one Blake might have ducked out on. <laughs> Producing oh, man, that's, that's too rich for my blood. That's right. Let's predict Christmas at Castle Heart because I know it won't be, but I badly want it to be like an Anne Radcliffean gothic romance. I would like that too. Where's Lots my of, uh, candelabras and dark stony yes. hallways. Absolutely. And something um, just out of sight. I think it should star Celine Dion and be set on the set of her music video for It's All Coming Back to Me Now. So in that music video, if you'll recall, features a, a dead motorcyclist boyfriend that she is mourning. But what if he's not dead? Anyway, no, that's good. That's good. I think Christmas at Castle Heart is not actually a castle at all. It's just like, like the castle of your heart. Of your heart. Yeah, and may- maybe there's a castle in a snow globe that we're referring to, but you okay. know, she's it's like a castle find... on a cloud. Yeah, yeah. It's our main character, Celeste Castle. There was one that was a Christmas CEO that's coming up, 
So I think that's maybe like an aunt or an uncle who's uh, who's who has some kind of a big corporate business calls in Santa's favorite sleuth to solve some kind of uh, corporate corporate Mystery. espionage. Mm -hmm. Ooh, very nice. Yes, that's definitely a problem for Dominic Christmas. Whatever, whether the castle is real or fake, whether the movie refers, whether, you know, time for them to come home for Christmas refers to a third person plural group of people or um, a third person singular user of non-binary pronouns. I think that we know one thing for certain. They will fall, fall in love. love. All right, we'll tune in. <laughs> We'll tune in next week for Christmas at Castle Heart and uh, maybe it's Christmas. Oh, the kittens. Yeah, we're, oh, the we're kittens, doing the kittens. The kittens. Yeah. One of my um, co-workers wants to do Christmas at Castle Heart as well, which Mary, if that's too much, you don't have to join. But, um, you know, we'll be recording a few more as we get into the, the week-long new movie every night. And who knows, Blake Shelton is maybe them. We'll All find right. out. Thank you for listening to Hallmarked Up. Find us online at hallmarkedup.com, on Instagram at Hallmarked Up, and on Facebook at Hallmarked Up with Mary and Sarah. Remember to follow, listen, and review wherever you get your podcasts.